48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Aaron Tam. The headlines. Chief Executive John Lee says two inquiries are looking into the cause of a construction crane collapse which killed three workers. The head of Beijing's liaison office says the local construction and industrial sector's involvement in the Belt and Road Initiative will be key in the coming years. And the second suspect in the deadly stabbing spree in Canada has died after he was arrested hours earlier. Chief Executive John Lee says two inquiries have been launched into yesterday's industrial accident on Anderson Road in Sao Mao Ping, where a tower crane collapsed and killed three workers. Mr. Lee said he's very concerned about the incident, which also left six others injured. He said the Labor Department is along with, along with experts investigating the cause of the collapse and if anyone needs to be held responsible. The Labour Department has suspended all crane operations at Anderson Road. The department will also investigate the use of cranes at other construction sites by the same contractor. The crane's operation will be suspended until approval is given. At the same time, the government will inspect the use of tower cranes at other construction sites to see if they are safe. The police, meanwhile, will also launch a probe into the accident to see if negligence was involved. Lawmaker Lam Chun-sing has questioned whether regulations over the setting of cranes need to be beefed up following yesterday's industrial accident. Mr. Lam from the Federation of Hong Kong and Kowloon Labour Unions was speaking to RTHK's Backchat program. Under the regulation, setting the claim should be under the supervision of a competent person. Well, what is a competent but, but, uh, person? But, uh, that's the problem. The regulation do not say that clearly that whether the competent person needs what kind of training, but only the owner believes that that person is suitable person and then they become the competent person. So I think the Labor Department can review it. An engineer has called the collapse of the tower crane on Anderson Road a mystery, noting it had been in use for a month and was not bearing any weight when it fell. Speaking on an RTHK program, Joseph Chi, chairman of the Hong Kong Institute of Engineers Safety Specialist Committee, said it looked like the welding at the base of the crane where it snapped was not strong enough. But he added that one must examine the structural design before concluding whether it was the cause of the accident or whether other details defects had caused it to fracture. Police say they will dispose of a Second World War-era naval mine in the eastern waters of Hong Kong Island tomorrow. Officers said they found the mine off Cape Dagler after receiving a report from a diver last month, adding it is the first time a complete naval mine has been found in the territory. They said it should not pose any immediate danger, but did not rule out if the 500-pound TNT explosives still worked. The force said they are cordoning off the area today and that they expect to complete the operation tomorrow afternoon. The head of Beijing's liaison office, Luo Heining, says he believes the commercial and industrial sectors will grasp development opportunities in Hong Kong. Speaking at a seminar on the sector's involvement in the Belt and Road Initiative, he said the coming five years are key in implementing new developments. Mr. Luo said he's sure the sectors will integrate into the country's development plans. I believe you will all actively grasp Hong Kong's development direction, fortify its international status as financial, aviation and trade hubs, build up its international innovation technology center and keep raising the economy's competitiveness. 
I also believe you will actively integrate into the country's development plans in the latest five-year plan, be involved in the construction of the Greater Bay Area, and cultivate new growth momentum. The Consumer Council has urged the government to tighten regulations on artificial intelligence, saying current guidelines are not enough to protect data privacy. The council spoke to over a thousand consumers who've shopped online in the last year and found only around 30% of them trusted AI. More than 70% were worried about excessive data collection on the Internet. Clement Chan is the council's chairman. Obviously, a guideline is only suggestion for best practices. And obviously that goes without saying guideline hasn't got much consequences to bear and sanction and, and essential sort of uh, consequences. So uh, based on experience in other jurisdictions, I think definitely development towards a more formal set of legislation is, uh, is essential. The president of the Social Workers Association says she supports not reporting all child abuse cases given the resources and manpower needed and because it's not always in the best in the child's best interest. Professor Lam Ching Man was commenting on government proposals to make reporting of child abuse mandatory only when the child is at risk of serious harm while less serious cases can be referred elsewhere. Professor Lam told RTHK that while reporting all cases was the most safe way, it had downsides. If you report all cases, maybe this is not the best solution to the family. And if you have all cases to report, drawing on experience of other countries, there will be lots of false alarm and substantiated cases. And sometimes this will overload the system. So if we report all the cases, we need to have other measures to protect the system. And the implication is that we need additional manpower and additional resources. South Korea has proposed a meeting with North Korea to resume reunions of families separated by the Korean War despite strained ties between the rivals over the North's nuclear weapons program. It's unclear if North Korea would accept the offer because it's already rejected the new South Korean government's offer to provide massive aid in return for denuclearization. Unification Minister Kwon Yong-se said South Korea hopes the two sides can meet in person as soon as possible. Our government publicly proposes to North Korea an inter-Korean meeting to discuss the issue of separated families. We hope the responsible authorities from the two Koreas meet as soon as possible and hold a candid discussion on the humanitarian issues, including the reunions of separated families. Police in Canada have found the final suspect around a hundred kilometers away from where 10 people were stabbed to death and 18 others were injured. It was one of the bloodiest acts of mass violence in the country's history. Not long after Miles Sanderson was taken into custody, he was found dead. His brother, the other suspect, Damien Sanderson, was found dead on Monday. The BBC's Peter Goffin reports. Well, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police say a witness saw Miles Sanderson on Wednesday afternoon. He was outside a home not far from where the attacks took place, and he was holding a knife. Uh, he then stole a pickup truck and was seen by several people driving along rural roads at 150 kilometers per hour. 
Police say they were able to force the truck off the highway and into a ditch. And we've actually seen uh, video of officers surrounding the truck with guns drawn. We've also seen a photo that appears to show Sanderson in handcuffs standing against a police car, very much alive. But Rhonda Blackmore, an assistant commissioner with the RCMP, told us what happened next. Shortly after his arrest, he went into medical distress and he was transported to a hospital in Saskatoon. He was pronounced deceased at the hospital. Now, Commander Blackmore said she could not comment on the cause of death. She said an autopsy will be done on Sanderson and on his brother, Damien. And there will also be an independent external investigation of Miles Sanderson's death, which is standard practice when someone dies while in contact with police. The United States has accused the Kremlin of directly managing the forced relocation of Ukrainian citizens into Russia. The United Nations Human Rights Office says it's verified that Russian forces are carrying out the process known as filtration. The White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre gave details at a news conference. Our intelligence shows that Russia is using filtration centers in eastern Ukraine and western Russia to detain, to interrogate and in some cases abuse thousands of Ukrainians. Russian presidential administration officials are providing lists of Ukrainians to be targeted for filtration and receiving reports on the scope and progress of operations. Washington's ambassador to the U.N. said as many as 1.6 million Ukrainians had been taken from their homes, including thousands of children. Russia's U.N. ambassador Vasily Nembenzia dismissed the allegations. Today's meeting, which was convened at the request of the United States and Albania, has every chance of becoming a new milestone on the disinformation campaign unleashed by Ukraine and its Western backers against our country. The dirty methods of Western propagandists are very familiar to us. President Volodymyr Zelensky says Ukraine's military has recaptured several settlements in a counteroffensive against Russian troops near the northeastern city of Kharkiv. He was speaking in his nightly video address. This week we have good news from the Kharkiv region. Probably you've already seen reports about the activity of the defenders of Ukraine. Now is not the right time to name those settlements where the Ukrainian flag has returned. There's been no independent verification of settlements being retaken, but observers say there have been some significant breakthroughs by Ukrainian forces near Kharkiv in recent days. Trials in West Africa of a new malaria vaccine developed by Oxford University show it gives up to 80% protection for two years. The jab was tested on more than 400 children. Malaria, a parasitic infection spread by mosquitoes, kills about half a million children each year in sub-Saharan Africa. Katie Ewer is Professor of Vaccine Immunology at Oxford's Jenner Institute. It's incredibly gratifying to make this breakthrough for malaria because it's such a difficult disease to make vaccines for and, you know, the potential achievement that this vaccine could have if it's rolled out, it could be really world-changing. The Oxford team is working with the world's biggest vaccine manufacturer, the Serum Institute in India. The researchers say at least 100 million doses could be produced at low cost next year. 
to currencies. The U.S. dollar is trading at 143.80 yen. The euro stands at 99.9 U.S. dollars. The pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 2 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 18,984, 60 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $40 billion. To sport, and we start with football and Liverpool's disastrous opening in the European Champions League. The six-time champions were thrashed 4-1 by Napoli. In the same group, Ajax beat Rangers 4-0. The former England international Jonathan Woodgate watched the game in Italy and was impressed by Napoli's performance. Honestly, they were magnificent. Played with so much energy. They passed forward. The forwards ran forward. They caused problems. They finished the chances well. Obviously, apart from the the penalty, but they were well organised. Even when they were in the shape, they were deep. They'd break and they'd break at so, so much speed, and the Liverpool players couldn't handle it. And normally, you, you get a Liverpool team which is full of energy and will match you and run over the top of you. Well, that day, Napoli ran over the top of them. Robert Lewandowski scored his first hat-trick for Barcelona on his Champions League debut for the club as they beat Victoria Pilsen 5-1 while at the San Siro. His old club, Bayern Munich, were 2-0 winners over Inter Milan. More details from the BBC's John Bennett. It's eight goals in five games now for Robert Lewandowski since his move to Barcelona. A beautiful side-footed finish from outside the box wrapped up the hat-trick. There was one nervy moment for Barca at 1-0 up when Victoria Pilsen were given a penalty and Andreas Christensen was shown a red card for the foul, but the decision was overturned by the VAR and they never looked back. In the same group, Lewandowski's former club Bayern Munich didn't miss him. Leroy Sané was the star man. He scored the opening goal. He was heavily involved in the second goal which was credited as an own goal to break down a stubborn inter side who couldn't bounce back after losing the Milan derby at the weekend. Off the pitch, the Brighton and Hove Albion boss Graham Potter has been given permission to speak to Chelsea about being their next manager. Chelsea sacked Thomas Tuchel following Tuesday's 1-0 Champions League defeat to Dinamo Zagreb. Former winger Pat Nevin believes there's clearly a plan that goes beyond hiring a new coach. If Thomas Tuchel was the one who came up with all the ideas for all those players, it would be staggering to do that after spending that amount of money and getting those players in to play under a system that you want to design and then get rid of the manager two days later. So it kind of tells me that doesn't make any sense at all. Did the weather forecast mainly fine, very hot and dry in the afternoon, moderate easterly winds, occasionally fresh offshore. The outlook mainly fine tomorrow, sunny periods and a few showers on the mid-autumn festival and the following couple of days. It's now 33 degrees with the humidity at 63%. To end the news, the top stories once again. Chief Executive John Lee says two inquiries are looking into the cause of a construction crane collapse which killed three workers. The head of Beijing's liaison office says the local construction and industrial sector's involvement in the Belt and Road Initiative will be key in the coming years, and the second suspect in a deadly stabbing spree in Canada has died after he was arrested hours earlier. The news from RTHK. On your radio and live online, this is The Brew Till Two.
John Britney Spears and hold me closer. Good afternoon. 18 minutes past one o'clock for a lovely Thursday. It's 33 Celsius out there and kind of dry as well. We're going to a less dry but equally hot place in a few minutes time to catch up with Chef Neil Tomes live from his Singapore kitchen. And if you have a few minutes spare and you want to learn how to make pizza in the Tandoor, well, join us on Facebook Live. What a beautiful day. Some say that that's impossible But you and I would never look back And wasn't it incredible So beautiful and above all Just to see the fuse get lit this time To light a real bonfire for all time And what a beautiful day To be back When Hepburn said I love you And Flynn said make mine a double jack Was then we planned the revolution 